0: Welcome to episode 370, uh, entitled Horror and Beauty. Uh, My name is Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction, to everyday compulsive negative thinking. Uh, Basically, anything that fucks with us. This show is not meant to be a substitute for... Professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm not a mental health professional. This isn't. A, this isn't a clinic. This ain't no doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod. Uh, dot com. Uh, for those of you uh, who are new listeners, uh, I know we were just uh, featured, um, and I think still being featured on the front page of uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, welcome. Grab a seat. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Uh, this show is part interview, part listener confession. The uh, uh, the surveys uh, listeners fill out anonymously uh, on our website. And uh, the episode that you're going to hear uh, this week is with two friends of mine from my support group. Um, regular listeners know that three weeks ago um, at this roughly this exact same time um i was at my support group with these uh these friends of mine and it's our weekly group and there was a shooting outside of our group and i had to come record the podcast about 45 minutes after that happened and if you want to listen to that before you listen to this episode um Listen, uh, I think three episodes back, number 367 with Jay Larson, the opening 20 minutes of that uh, episode is me describing what happened. So I'm not going to saturate the regular listeners with with giving a blow by blow of that. But this interview today, conversation, is with um, two of my friends from this support group who actually were right there. when this shooting victim stumbled bleeding into our uh, support group and um i i'm not going to explain anymore that that sets the stage for this interview with my friends uh jonathan and uh and makunda before we get to that i want to read a couple of surveys uh this is from the struggle in a sentence uh survey this is filled out by a woman who calls herself rose thorns and uh she writes about her love addiction. Maybe if I kill myself, then he will finally care about me. Oh, well, well summed up. Um, the, the insanity of uh, addiction, the things that it tells us. Uh, this is the same, same survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself, when the fart creeps up to the top of the crack and gives a little massage on the way out. <laughs> That is so observant and horrifying at the same time. But it, isn't it nice that it, it has the conscience to give you a little something on the way out? I think it should also just tip you a little nickel right in the crack of your ass. You just hear, you just hear a tiny voice go, and eh, get yourself a little something. Here's a little something for the effort. Thanks for eating this spicy food. Uh, anyway, she describes her uh, major depressive disorder. I feel like I need something so bad. I feel it reaching out from the pit of my stomach, grasping for the thing that it so desperately needs. The emptiness without it is physically painful as much as mental, but I have absolutely no clue what it is that I so desperately need and the emptiness remains. Wow, what a great description of the emptiness, the void of depression. more than anything, that's what depression is. is It's a void. It's an absence. Um, my tooth is starting to do that whistling thing where I sound like a 1890s Western character. <laughs> Who wants a sarsaparilla? Uh, about her anxiety, she writes, It's midnight. You're home alone. You walk to the kitchen and bam. There's a man in all black holding a knife and ready to charge at you. Your heart beats out of your chest and drops to your stomach. You're stuck with unimaginable fear. All of your senses are heightened. You start to dissociate because here is just too painful. Except there is no intruder. There's nothing dangerous at all, actually. But all those feelings and sensations are going full speed. No reason. No apparent trigger. Just debilitating flight or fight responses at random, uncalled for times. Oh my god. That is so descriptive. Thank you for that. About dissociation, she writes, everything is so unfamiliar. unfamiliar. I look at my face in the mirror, look down and touch my hands. I've never seen them before. Watching the movements of my hands confuses me because how can my body be functioning when I am no longer inside of it? Thank you for that. This is a same survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Chronic Pain. About his sex addiction, he writes, I think about masturbating every day until I can finally do it, wherever, whenever. When it's done, I don't know what to focus on for the rest of the day. About his anger issues. In my head, I fucking hate everyone, even those on the footpath I drive past on the street. I think about killing people every day. Um... Thank you for sharing that. I I hope I hope you're Oh, he does uh uh see a therapist and says here, um keep it up man. Keep it up. This 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 stuff, trauma and mental challenges and stuff like that, it 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 takes a long concerted effort to begin to make progress um with some of these things. Uh this is filled out by Patrick uh, who is a trans man, and uh, he writes about his PTSD. My brain is like a radio trying to listen to my life, but it keeps getting interference from when you threatened to beat me. It's on a loop, fading in and out, sometimes so strong, I can't make out which signal is which. It all blends together, becoming a haze of people saying hello and hearing, I'll beat you. People saying I love you and it becoming I love you so much, I'll beat this out of you. You are in every word, every sound, a smashing plate, a car pulling into the driveway. It mixes into a mess of words and beats and sounds that I can't shut off, so loud that I have to close my eyes and cover my ears to try to get through life. It doesn't help. The best I can hope for is the days when it fades to static and I feel nothing. Wow. Thank you for that. Um... And then about uh, experiencing gender dysphoria, he writes, it's like waking up with a spider crawling on your face, but the spider is boobs. <sighs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Oh my God. You guys just have a way of, I mean, it's why I started this survey was uh in my correspondence with listeners. I began to realize that the, Sometimes you guys can put an issue into a sentence that says as much as a one-hour conversation with somebody does. Um, We've just got a couple more of these, and then we'll get to the interview. Uh, This is filled out by Jen, and she writes about her depression. Something is missing, but I don't know or care what it is. That one... I was just like, oh my God, yes, yes. (laughs) That, That one might be Hall of Fame. And then a snapshot from Jen's life. I remember as a child being at the zoo with my family. I was hot, hungry, and overwhelmed and started crying. My dad looked down at me and said, you are ruining our family's day and walked off. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted to read this, Jen, is... There is a huge link. I'm not a mental health professional, but I did cook chicken on basic cable for 16 years, and I told dick jokes in mediocre comedy clubs around the country. Um, but there is a link, uh, honestly, between growing up in emotionally invalidating environments and uh, the odds of developing depression. And I wouldn't be shocked if... if uh, those two are linked in what's happening with you. And ultimately, it's not as important the why of what we're suffering as much as how we move forward, what we can do to get, to get better or to just survive and cope, you know, until it gets to the point where we can enjoy our lives. This is a happy moment filled out by uh, once a sunshined face. And she writes, It's been over a month since a rough breakup. After realizing I suffer from intense anxiety and a bunch of other miscellaneous things, apparently, I started using BetterHelp and meditation. And BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. Uh, I've been a mess a lot, but here and there making progress. Today was the best day I've had in a long time. This morning I ran 16 miles, five of which, uh, five uh, of it with a friend. After the run, my friend and I got coffee and talked for over two hours. Turns out he studied psychology and is very hip to the therapy world. He sees one himself. Much conversation was had. Depressed parents, anxiety, darker past than we uh, had ever shared, Uh, honesty about current feelings, all so therapeutic for us both. I felt rejuvenated. Never had I truly enjoyed cooking before. I've been doing it a long time and I can basically do it without thinking. But but this next time I cooked, I was being mindful without trying. Just as soon as I realized I was being mindful, I began worrying about an uncomfortable conversation I need to have soon with a loved one. Practice makes progress, I guess. Now my roommate and I are watching Wonder Woman and eating pizza together, whereas I normally hide out. All in all, it's been a good day. P.S. whenever I fill out the surveys, I type them in your voice. Also, BetterHelp has been really awesome. Of course, which brings me to our sponsor, BetterHelp.com, which is a fantastic online therapy resource. I've been doing it for a year and a half, and I have a great relationship with Donna, my therapist. I talk to her. uh, We video chat uh, every week. And um, sometimes she'll send me messages during the week and say, you know, here's something to think about, or try to be mindful of this, or ask yourself these questions. And um, I love it. This, this week, the uh, thing that uh, she's been talking to me about is the difference between um, active listening and listening with intent. And uh, I am becoming aware, as much as I hate to admit it, that sometimes when I'm listening, I am sure it's no surprise to people who listen to this podcast, but I get so excited that I have something to share that I stop listening to the person who's talking. And that is not the same as active listening, which is just listening with a clear mind and being present for everything that the person is saying. So that's, that's my new project that I'm, that I'm working on. And, uh, it's probably not a coincidence that, um, I was kicking around on iTunes and I was looking at the reviews of the podcast and somebody gave me a one star saying, uh, that I had, I think it was the episode with, um, uh, it was the episode with the therapist that we were talking about, uh, uh, Jen Elmquist talking about couples troubles. And, uh, this person was just like wrote a scathing review, like, you know who do you think you are you know acting like you know everything and basically validating all the mean shit that i that i have in in my head but i've been in enough therapy and support groups now to know that dwelling on that and beating myself up about that is not a solution so what I can do is I can say, well, was there some truth in what that person shared? And I think there was. I think I can be a better listener. And so um, I I make that a goal, but I don't tell myself I'm a piece of shit uh, until until I achieve that. Um, so anyway, uh, back to BetterHelp.com. If you're interested in trying it out, uh, go to BetterHelp.com slash mental. And it's in, important to include the slash mental uh, so they'll know that you came from uh, their advertisement on uh, my podcast. Uh, you'll fill out a questionnaire and then they'll match you up with a betterhelp.com counselor. And you can experience a free week of counseling to see if uh, it's right for you. Yeah, and you need to be over 18. And I love it. All right. Two more quick surveys. This one is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a guy who calls himself Wayfaring Taurus. And a snapshot from his life, he writes, getting off the couch for the first time in two days to get another bottle of bourbon. And in describing his depression, he writes, it's undiagnosed and untreated. I envy moths. They seek, find, and fly towards the small specks of light in the vast darkness of night even if those specks of light are bug zappers. I would imagine that drinking bottles of bourbon is not helping your depression or your uh, ability to feel hope. So um, I encourage you to maybe deal with that and see how that helps the depression. That was the case with me. I, I was on my way to killing myself. If I hadn't stopped drinking because I was so depressed and, um, on paper, I had everything to live for. And I thought about killing myself 50 times a day. So you don't have to feel like that. And then, uh, finally, this is a struggle in a sentence and this was filled out by, um, Oh, Oh, No. And she gives us, she uh, deals with depression, anxiety and anorexia and a snapshot from her life. She writes, my grandmother was cleaning the garden and a pretty relaxed me came by and asked her, wow, nice work. What's got into you, Mammy? I call her that. And she answered, oh, nothing. That's me. What about you? When are you going to do something? What does your mother think about you doing nothing? And I froze and thought, what a fucking waste I am. Yeah. Look at your grandma who's multitasking, she's gardening and being an asshole. There's a part of me inside that I don't want anyone to know about because it's weird and gross and lame and people will hate me. <laughs> Makunda and Jonathan are two of the guys and they're they're here with me now. They've been nice enough to come um, talk about what they experienced. Um, I was probably 20 feet away and it fucked me up. And you guys were right there. And if you're comfortable, t- obviously you are because you're here, but... Makunda, um, why don't you go first and share f- from the beginning what you experienced? And Jonathan, feel 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 free to to chime in All wherever right. you want. Okay. Um.
1: I'll chime
2: in now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and be, and before we do that, yeah. uh, how how old are you guys? Kind of what's your what's your background? Um, you know. All right. What are your struggles? That kind of shit, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. You want to go first? Tell yeah, us your keep background. Yeah, give me a little bit
2: more descriptive about background. Like, yeah, what do you
0: mean? how old are you? You know, uh, I know that in the in the past you were involved in gangs. Okay, okay. that you've did so you, you mean, did yeah. time in in right. Uh, Chino, right? Is Chino, a
2: couple yeah. different places, but yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so if you would, yeah, just to kind of.
2: My name is Jonathan. I'm 32 years old. um yeah i I grew up in san fernando valley um was like the only white kid in my neighborhood so i of course i used to get bullied a lot learn how to fight for myself so on and so forth uh got involved in gangs so seeing what happened that night wasn't really like something new it was something new like in a sober way for me you know because normally i'm like automatically checked out don't give a shit because i'm loaded Mm -hmm. or drunk but uh yeah, man, I uh, did a couple stints in a couple different prisons, uh, not worth mentioning, I would say. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just to check in real quick.
0: Yeah, so. and you've been sober for a little while now, a couple yeah, of years? Yeah, coming
2: up on three years next month. Yeah,
0: and uh, Jonathan and Mukunda are two guys that uh, have really uh, are such great examples of what can happen people when they come in and they get honest and they let people help them and how their lives begin to transform, but more importantly how they learn how to get vulnerable and let that wall down that used to I suppose in childhood and adolescence that kept you alive. Was not
2: allowed, definitely not sign of weakness, you know what I mean? You couldn't couldn't be anything other than what everyone else was being and that's it, you know? And if you showed any type of a any type of other emotion than, I guess, anger was kind of inappropriate because if you smile too much, you're gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're happy too long, you're gay. Or if you were sad, it was like, hey, dude, why don't you drink this or smoke this and shut the fuck up? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's epidural, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And if I did express that type of shit, real men didn't cry. So what are you talking about? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it was about, it was about even when I'm wrong, I kick your ass because I'm right. You know, that's epidural. Yeah.
0: Makunda
1: uh, my name is Makunda 44 years old born and raised out here in Los Angeles um yeah I mean what happened last week was just insane to me um my background is uh I don't know you know I'm a compulsive gambler you know that's kinda what put me through the fucking ringer in my Mm -hmm. life um But yeah, what happened last week? Just to go to that, um, you no, know, we heard shots, right? You know, yeah, we heard shots. Didn't know if it was a car at first. I, I think we know? all
2: wanted to say it was a car. Right? Yeah,
1: the first one, you mm-hmm. know. Then there was a second one about three seconds later. But then after that, it was pop, 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 and you know, we we all got up. I looked. I just happened to be sitting right by the door,
0: and and there's one door in you know, and out of this very small place where support group meetings are held pretty yeah. much around the clock. I mean not mm-hmm. after midnight, but yeah. Yeah. Dedicated safe space for support group meetings. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. meet there every Thursday night at seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. Total
1: place is a total blessing. And um, yeah, this kid comes running in bleeding all over, you know? And uh walks up the stairs and basically uh falls down right at my feet, you know, and you know Jonathan is there and you know you know I'll just say Jay for namesake was there to respond and
0: Jimmy he doesn't yeah. mind yeah. okay yeah. okay and and uh, Kevin was the other and guy. Kevin
1: yep Kevin and I'll say Jimmy yeah. they, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't even know where to start or where to begin I just know that Jimmy jumped in took care of business and you took care of Miz's, like, with his physical things that were going on, like yeah. the tourniquet and all that.
2: I think yeah. I because when, when I first heard the shots, I want to say that it was a car, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. The second one sounded just the same. So I was like, damn, that's a weird, usually don't sound the same, backfire. Sure. Then I heard another one, but mm-hmm. then I heard four consecutive more shots, yeah. you know? And that's when, when I heard you. I'm already standing up, right? Because yeah. I know there's only one door, and I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to try to get out in case this dude try to come in. I mm. mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person that was thinking, you mm. know, that this dude's going to come in and finish the job, you know? At least that's in my mind, you know? Cause mm. My lifestyle is like, you're going to get shot. Make sure this fool's dead, you know? Yeah.
0: How many times <clears throat> do you think you've been shot at in your life?
2: Oh, no, like three or four times, Yeah. you know? fucking chase with knives bats you know all that type mm. of stuff you know what i mean um i'm usually like even even when that happened it was weird for me to be in that situation and not be prepared you know like mm. i've always had something like or grab something to defend myself with i was i felt completely negative and going back to the meeting tonight reminded me of like you know i mm. stopped carrying even a knife in sobriety you know what i mean like i just don't do that no more because that's not who i am and i have a higher power that protects me you know but leaving for that one moment my own thinking comes kicking back in you know my own thinking and i'm like oh man i gotta do something
1: yeah you know yeah it was uh i said dial nine one one, you know he came in and as soon as i saw him that was it my whole world was him yeah. i didn't see anything else or anybody else i just saw you know jimmy jump up and kind of take care of him physically, you know, asking for a belt. I took off my belt and threw it at him. Kevin gave him his belt. He started attending to his wounds and to his tourniquet. But I had the young man, 22 years old, basically, as far as, like I'm looking at my hand right now, it's about, you know, 8, 10 inches, about a foot away. That's how close I was to to him in his face. And I was just trying to comfort him. He was in a state of shock. Um,
0: he was making a lot of noise. Oh yeah, he was yeah. in some yeah, he serious was shot.
1: Pain. You know, I mean, fuck, you yeah. shot twice. Shot twice. And, yeah. and he was loaded, you know? Yeah,
0: and yeah. He was on a 2-day meth run. Yeah. Fuck, apparently yeah
2: uh, but I remember seeing Makuna saying oh shit it's happening right here and I seen him and when he he come running in and like I kind of want to see like this dude like because I'm already trying to sidestep coming in And but I remember his like hand like almost it felt like it like fell into your his face fell into your hand. yeah he did you know he what I mean like you yeah, yeah, caught yeah. it like I yeah. got you you know yeah, what I mean so it like, his, his, yeah it just came yeah and then and I think in that moment for me it was slow mo and it was like do I help him or do I go mm. you know what I mean and I remember just putting my hands on his leg and like trying to hold the blood in You know then jamie came back in yeah so i get the fucking bell (laughs) right right
0: right (laughs) and i he had been shot uh, in his femoral artery right yeah
2: like up top up top almost almost by his groin groin area Mm. you know what i mean it was pretty high up there
0: and it was it was really coming out
2: it was at first because it it didn't look that bad as he ran in but as once he laid down you could see it just boom like oh damn someone got to grab this Mm. yeah and that's when I guess I, I placed my hands on top of him. And that's when I was waiting for Jamie kicked in. It's like, Hey, let's do this. Give me a belt. And we tried, he tried doing the tourniquet and that was held off. Mm. And it was, it was just, I guess, dramatic it Seemed slow mo, but it seemed yeah. like, you know, the, it just seemed just, I, like-
1: I remember Kevin was holding one of his hands. Kevin was holding his mm-hmm. hand. I was supporting his head. Um, you know, and it, 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 it was just, it was surreal. It was, it was, it was totally, it was <clears throat> totally surreal. And, uh, You know, several times, three or four times, he looked me directly in the eye and was like, don't let me die. I don't want to die. You know, and he said a young lady's name, you know, his girlfriend, or he talked about his mom, little. And um, I was just there just trying to comfort him to the best of my ability, you know. I think a couple times,
2: too, you pulled his face close to yours, like, don't just calm down, just calm down. Like, head to head, like, just calm down, just calm down. And it was like it, it was it was crazy, man. Just seeing his reaction and seeing everyone else's reaction around us too. And it was like at that one moment we were able to like tone out everything else and help this this dude, you know. And like talking about it now, I haven't really had a chance to really talk to anyone about it besides my <laughs> yeah. my sponsor, yeah. right? At, right after the meeting afterwards, and at that time, that's when all my emotions kicked back mm. and, and like for a moment, I was definitely not concerned about me.
1: Yeah, but then yeah. when my
2: shit kicked back in, it was crazy, man. Yeah. Like, it was a roller coaster effect, and I'm, I don't know. I'm just tripping out now because like really the first time I had a chance to like sit here and actually play the reel through. You know hmm. what I mean? Hmm. Um, I think because more or less I've been emotionally trying to fill out where I am max. I work with kids, you know, and I'm like, yeah. man, I can't be like that when I'm around them. Like, and it, I've been trying to put my emotions into check. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But fuck, that shit was scary, huh?
1: (laughs) Like, thinking about
2: it, like, I'm trying to remember, like, this dude's gonna come to the door, too. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Somebody else actually ran up behind him. This person put his hands up to signify he didn't have a gun. And he ran into the lobby. I think he saw the whole commotion. And, you know, next thing I know, he wasn't there. Um, But it it wasn't a consideration. You know, I don't know if I was the first one to see him, but I remember seeing him, and I remember yelling to everybody, dial 911, dial 911. And then he just walked up the stairs and literally fell like right at my feet, like right at our feet where we were sitting. And it was just for 10 minutes, it was just me and him, you know? And uh, I was just grateful that I was able to respond in hindsight, you know, like my mom, I told my mom about it. She's like, did you pray for him? Did you, you know, I was like, (laughs) you know, just being there I think is like, is enough. You know what I mean? Like if you know, I believe in God, and I believe God was there, no, you know, he definitely comforting was, him, yeah. you know, through us. I'm like Jonathan because when it was over, I called my best friend, and uh, and uh, it brought me back to the times I've been shot at. You know, I've been shot at a couple times, and I've guns pulled on me four or five times in my life. I got robbed, you know, several times at gunpoint. There's actually a point in my life where I used to rob people at gunpoint. You know, um, and there's something about those situations where everything slows down for me and I don't freak out I don't know why you know one time I got shot at like four or five times but it was uh in front of my friends or the guy who's shooting at me was in front of his mom's house so I knew he was just trying to intimidate me but it brought all that back to me you know I talked I replayed all that and it just pissed me off you know
0: how so okay can you be more specific about how it brought all that back to you
1: well, I just well the the bleeding and all that stuff. It just brought back like events where I could have been shot or like events like that, and just in terms know,
0: of the the images, the emotion. Um, I
1: think know. the emotion, the adrenaline yeah. was it. it, you know, or even the low key adrenaline because like you're hyped, you know. Like I couldn't sleep. I, I can't let that happen. What Thursday night, no. I didn't sleep Thursday night. I, I didn't sleep Friday night. I couldn't sleep. I tried to sleep Friday night, Thursday night. I just stayed up all night. It wasn't until like Saturday that I actually slept, and it wasn't until Monday that I got it out of my system, you know, because that that was with me, you know, for for two three days. I, I couldn't shake the images out of my mind. I couldn't shake his face out of my mind, like the blood everywhere and him looking me in the eyes and like you know saying I don't want to die, like that that I couldn't. It shook me, but by the grace of God and by like our fellowship. I was able to, like, let that go on Monday just a few days later. But, like, you know, my heart goes out to, like, EMT people who see stuff like that every day. Every day. day. Yeah. The trauma of it. Insane. That's yeah. one of the things
0: I said when I recorded and talked about it last week was I when I drove home, and I was 30 feet away from what you guys were experiencing, I felt like I wasn't fully in my body. Like, like my, my brain... W- Like, I'd been up for three days. That's what my brain felt like. And I thought, how do people deal with that every day? And And, sober. And sober. (laughs) 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 Maybe you did not. You know know what I
1: mean? Like, wow. I don't know if I could do that. uh, Wow.
0: Did you have any thoughts as, and probably not when you were tending to this guy, but afterwards, about what the old you would have done or things that the old you had done that weren't necessarily helpful like in this way mm. and and get see your growth or is that something that that hasn't really occurred to you mm-hmm. because i i see it i mean it in I, for you guys. one
2: moment i want to say that i felt i felt sad for him but my emotions did came back in like i wanted to tear up and then like mm. And that's, at the, don't get me wrong, that's at the same time I was like, I gotta get out of the Dodge, you know? And that's like, in my mind, I, my mind, I think I had to leave, but I didn't see anything anyways, right? That's when my old behavior kicked in real quick, you know? Mm. But I was trying to leave, but that's the insanity of it, right? I just leave, I don't wanna talk to any cops, you know? Right, I right, don't have right. anything to offer anyways, <laughs> right. but I gotta go, because they
0: wanna talk to oh, me. Oh, you mean you didn't see anything like who shot him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you don't wanna go to court. Yeah,
2: you mm. exactly, see what I'm saying? And I really didn't know anything about that anyways, but <clears throat> I did feel sad for a moment, but afterwards, like, knowing that I had, like, like I said, I had jobs to rely on, too. But, like, I'm feeling my own emotions. I'm talking about it. And yeah, it does feel so real, especially when I go to a fellowship every week. And, like, out of all places, I mean, do, yes, we live in L.A. But out of all places, like, I'm going to find this here. You know what <laughs> right. like, Yes. You know? And right. uh, this is where I came to get away from all that. Right. Uh, you know? So I would say, like, that type of old stuff brought in for me. Um, but I do want to say, like, I feel for the kid. And I, and like it, but it's a like for me. Here goes. Like I feel bad saying this, but it's a doggy dog world, you know. And like this, if you're gonna play that game, like these, there's consequences to it. And I think anyone in that room, let it be an old timer or newcomer, has the faintest idea that you're mm. not gonna die out there. Like that's solid proof right there. That it doesn't have to be the dope sack or the bottle, mm. bro, you know. Yep. So. Um, for me, it's like we all we all make these choices, and we and it is what it is, you know. And yeah, I feel bad for him, you know. I mm. feel bad for him, but that's the way, that's the life you're choosing to live. That's why I left, you know. Like I'm mm. done. I'm a two striker. I'm not trying to catch my third, mm. you know. Yeah. I'm not. I got sober, and like I not only did I get sober on my sober day. That's the last day I was in jail. So I say every time I catch my cake, like. Or catch my cake. <laughs> You'll <laughs> You'll take like I'll gonna, you take it. I got to the term right. We got <laughs> we, we to explain that to the listener. No, I, I, right. I, I, ex,
0: explain the two terms uh. that you that you mixed up. Uh, <laughs>
2: like catch my cake and take my cake.
0: Yeah, and catching a case.
2: Oh, and catching a case. For yeah, sure. that's how. That's what I, I thought you yeah. we were sure. mixing up. Because yeah, the, no, I say what's well, catch a cake? Because now I'm catching cake instead of catching cases. You know, sure. I'm a cake dealer now,
0: not a dope dealer. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Uh, but one of the things in uh, Southern California, <laughs> <laughs> in Southern California, <laughs> one of the traditions is when you have an anniversary of your sobriety, um, you're you're presented. Your friends uh, uh, present you with a cake, and people sing happy birthday, and it's a big <laughs> and it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, we call that taking. A cake. um And the other phrase it, it, among people who've been in prison a lot is. Catch a case, fool. Catch a case. <laughs> when you've been arrested. You never, people never say, I got arrested or I got caught. They say, I caught a case. Uh, and I'm so just... you said, yeah, I caught a cake, which yeah. was fucking fantastic.
2: Uh, um, but yeah, man, so like. I'm fighting for my freedom as much as I'm fighting for my sobriety, is what mm. I'm trying to say. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. like, they coincide for me. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Yeah. They really do. Like, oh, I remember like you picking, picking me up. Yeah, exactly. Like, you helped save my life. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, uh, really, you helped save that guy's life too. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you brought me there. You're the reason why. You know what I mean? Like, I was just a product of finding, finding out what you found. But I would have never got that if. Your higher power didn't work from you, you know, or mine, whatever the case may be, you know, but you helped in that.
0: That's so funny because I was thinking how useless I was in that moment that I was just standing there kind of stunned and not not terrified because there was... Thirty people between me and the doorway. So just logistically, I knew I'm good. that guy's not bring, bringing in three clips. Right, right. right, know, right I'm right. good. That
1: sounded like a handgun.
0: I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. But I, I don't t- know about the guy in front of me. But you know, fuck it. I joked with uh, with uh, one of our friends. I, I said, you know, I immediately looked for you because I needed a shield.
2: <laughs> I bet
1: you I know who that was.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm grabbing old-timers first, put them up front. <laughs> <laughs> they live a
1: good life. <laughs> I'm trying to get there.
0: But I think one of the things oh, shit. that that we do, and I don't think it's necessarily just addicts or alcoholics, but we look for the most negative, beat-yourself-up way of looking at things. Mm. Yeah. Um, real talk. And... After this thing happened, was there anything that you said to yourself, thought to yourself? Um, did you just kind of brush it out of your mind? Were you able to to say, you know, I did, I did what I could? And by the way, the guy, uh, uh, from what we understand, survived. Okay. Um,
1: okay.
0: But good. Absolutely, because good. you guys had your fucking fingers in the guy's wounds that were. Uh, gushing yeah. gushing blood I looked up there at one point and Jonathan you had blood you had a short sleeve shirt and you had blood above your elbow yeah. completely covering your arms because wow.
2: it took a second to find the hole I had to move him and he was screaming yeah. and I yeah. had to move him to find out because I see yeah. that entry from the pants but I had to find where it was coming where Jimmy it was had coming from him a little bit yeah. too that was yeah. the second part because yeah. once okay. I found the wound that's when he came with the belt and that's when we okay. knew where to put it but that's okay. when he lifted the leg up and we tried readjusting it and at that point it was done where do you yeah. put a
0: tourniquet when somebody shot in the a- groin above it above so it so if there's not much room in the groin yeah, yeah
2: well I mean you want to try to get as close as you can to it you know what I, I you mean you want to try to like stop the bleeding you know right. and if it has to be on top then let it be on top I the fact is you need to get it up there That's always above the wound. You know? If you could tie off the wound itself, then cool. But you got to remember where your blood's coming from. You know,
0: hmm.
2: it's coming from the top, top of our body.
0: So yeah, see, that's something. I'm from the suburbs. That's not that. That's like not something that I've ever had to really think about. Gotcha. And that's one of the things that struck me when you guys were up there. Was I was thinking these guys have have experience with this, but in such a different way, way. For sure. mm. friends being shot you being shot at or even just thinking what what am i going to do you know we're going we're going into dangerous territory i might get shot mm. what what am i going to do i've never had to yeah think yeah. about that
1: yeah no I, I grew up carrying a gun you know what it's it's i'm saying you know that, like i said i used to rob folks at gunpoint you
2: know? or or yeah so a I, I guess i was
1: used to kind of that trauma i mean you know i was used to delivering that trauma to people you know, not actually shooting people, but seeing that terrified look on people's faces when you put a gun in their face. You know, you put a gun in the face of a couple in Larchmont Village or in Westwood. You know, they never see that shit coming, you know? And, like, the complete horror and terror that you would see that people realize, like, this gun that I'm holding in my hand actually could take your life. And to see that in somebody's face, like, I did that to somebody. I com- I caused somebody to have that terror. Like, that you know I, I think I got it out of my system but I'll never quite get those looks of those people. You know what I mean? There's a couple I did that to and there was a, a older woman I did that to and I'll never forget those looks. You yeah, know and, never, I'm sure, and, and I'm those shrieks as well. I'll never forget that.
0: And I'm sure they won't.
1: I know it's fucking yeah. it's horrible.
0: And how do you um How does that weigh on you how 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 do you find a way to make peace with your past if at all
1: with that i've made peace with because unlike jonathan i didn't grow up gang banging or into it so for me it was a season for me it was like a year period of my life you know where i was living this kind of violent lifestyle doing these things robbing people at gunpoint for like a two three month period but it was every night it was insane
0: but was this to pay for something for
1: No, I was eighteen or nineteen. Well, you know what? No, it actually was. I mean, I was like, you know, um opened up a dope house in South Central, a crack spot. I was selling crack. Uh and we just wanted money, you know, and mm-hmm. and there's something about when you have no guidance or direction at that age that you're fucking crazy. You could be reckless wilding, running the streets. And I was like that since I was fifteen. But at 18 and 19, it became a a whole new thing with guns and, and, and armed robbery. And, uh, you know, I made peace with it because of kind of what happened last Thursday. I've had moments in my life where God has used me. So just like I've been an instrument for delivering terror to people, um, God's used me to be an instrument of, you know, be encouraging people or, just this last summer I was working with kids in the criminal mm-hmm. justice system for a little bit. That's right. And I was able to kind of pass that on a little bit as well. So by the grace of God, I never had to pull the trigger. And you know, there's this one time I got robbed near Beverly Center by some essays. You know, they got me for my White Sox hat, you know, I was fucking and I was when I was robbing folks. And I came back. I knew the patterns of of you know armed robbery. I knew they were still looking for people because I didn't have any. I didn't have any real money. And I saw their car, and I pulled up behind them. The dude was wearing my white socks hat, and I had my gun on me. And I was like, man, I'm about to blast the fuck up out of this car. But I was like, you know, some major thoroughfare, and I was like, okay, I'm going to double back. I saw they parked their car, and I looked for them because I knew they were in the neighborhood, just like they got me. I knew they were in the neighborhood walking around trying to get somebody. And I went through the alleyway looking for him, and I would have fucking shot him. I would have shot him. By the grace of God, I didn't see him. So I went back by their car and I shot the windows out of their car, and you know I I took off. Um,
0: And you wound up bringing food onto the table for somebody that works out in auto body shop. So it really, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I I don't know. You know this. I'm just
1: grateful that I never. That is by the grace of God that I never hurt anybody.
0: Uh, so they were they were robbing people, and they had robbed you. They robbed me. I got yeah, you. Yeah, okay, they robbed me. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, as is, is, is he was talking and, and sharing about that, about having brought terror to people, what were you thinking or feeling, if anything?
2: It's just like
0: <clears throat> the look you just gave me when I said that. Jonathan kind of shook his head with a, I don't know how to describe it, but like a. a
2: I try not to think about this stuff, you know. Like I talk to like a certain person about it, um, but yeah, man. Like I said, like I when I say like it's a doggy dog world, it's like you know, like I at that like in that mode, like I really believe it, you know. And like I've done things that I feel bad for, and there's some things that I like I didn't feel bad for because like it was what it was, and like it'd rather be me than you, you know, mm-hmm. or rather be you than me. Um, but like robberies yeah that comes with the world you know what I especially when you're selling dope you know you never have enough dope money and if you see easy lick you want to take it but like i remember like just i remember having like a tweaker man he was doing credit card fraud and shit like that and i remember i just like i didn't even need a gun i just had a a, a, like one of those those hot wire things you know that you check radio cords with you know and you Mm -hmm. see if it's working the light turns on the back just put it to his name like dude get the fuck in the car about to stab my homeboy because he wouldn't drive fast enough. And, like, I know the fear that I put into people, you know, and, like, and I, it it drove me for a very long time. There was a man in the rooms, um, Brian, right? Mm-hmm. And he told me the respect that I was looking for when I first got sober was going to send me back to prison. And mm. that dude hit it straight on the head. Like, yeah. he couldn't have said it any better,
0: you know? Um, so when you say that the, the fear was was driving you, um, Meaning your actions were driven by fear. When, when I say, no, what I'm when,
2: saying is, I fed off your misery in a sense that I, I was see. causing it, you know, because mm. like I wanted what you had and I never could have got it without by myself, you know. Mm. And like this is coming from a kid, from a, at the time, a kid growing up in a home, you know what I mean? Where my dad's like beating my ass every day in a sense. And like the only time he wouldn't is when I'm doing shit like that, you know what I mean? Where I'm burglarizing houses and bringing it back to him so he can go cluck it off. Mm. So he can go get
0: high. Wow,
2: you know what I mean. And like the only time I would get in trouble is if I got caught, type deal. You
0: know
2: wow yeah i
0: didn't know that about you well
2: it's just like because like look like i feel like i'm glorifying some of my behavior and then it makes me become a victim also like i'm a victim but i'm not a victim because no. that and not only because of 18 but i make my own choices now you know what mm-hmm. i mean and like at one point in my life this is the only way i knew how to live yeah and that for a long time i blamed god i said why are you gonna bl- why are you gonna why are you gonna consequent me for making me the person that i am you know and for a long time, I had a resentment. because They told me straight up, it said, this is the only uh, defense against uh, a first pickup or use. is a spiritual one, man. And I remember having a deep sense of, fuck, I'm screwed. I remember walking <laughs> into my counselor's office in tears and told her, I don't think I'm going to make it. Hmm. You know what I mean? And this is after you picked me up already. I already left quite help and went back to Tarzana. You know?
0: Those are rehabs that he was oh, talking about. Yeah, no, that's all right.
2: Um, I didn't think I was going to make it. And like the only way I knew how was... By doing the way that I was doing And the the crazy part The insanity part of it Is convincing me that I was still making it Doing the shit that I was doing And I wasn't making shit Hmm. You know what I mean? Like where I'm at right now I'm grateful for it Like where I'm at right now I was able to help someone else Because the old me being in that position Would have walked out the front door And stepped over him Real shit Mm -hmm. I'm getting I'm out of here You know what I mean? But where I'm at today Like I'm able to be Present enough to help another person. You guys yeah. taught me that's what it's, you're supposed to do. And like, yeah. you gotta get that, that, doing esteemable acts builds self esteem and like, I feel good about these things, you know, and it's not just about that one instance. It's about all the other lives that Mm -hmm. I've affected due to the people in the rooms that Mm -hmm. affected mine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the bigger picture is because I don't think that dude would have even had that opportunity if no one in that room had affected Jamie, had affected you, or affected me, or affected Kevin.
1: No, the old me would have walked away. The old me would have been looking for the shooter, the old me would have been ducking and the old me would have <laughs> you know, got the fuck out of there and let everybody I mean. else deal with that shit. That ain't none of my business. You know, it's none of my business. But the new me doesn't even have to think about it. The no. new me is like, it just, somebody's in need, mm-hmm. w- w- then that's How it. How could I help? How, but that, that's yes. it. I'm just gonna do whatever I can to help.
0: You know? and, and to me, one of the things that that speaks to is the power of addiction. That it can Because to me, these are the authentic this is the authentic Mukunda, and this is the authentic Jonathan. But without tools to cope with our environment or our emotions, we give into addiction. We give in to up. anger, fear, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, we and want it,
2: something to mask it up.
0: Sure, yeah, I still give in to
1: anger. I still yeah. have fucking rage yeah. Yeah. outbursts, sure. yeah. and, and also not understanding <laughs> that we're <laughs> powerless over. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it even has
2: to, to do with anything I feel. Like I could feel a certain way, and I'm allowed to feel that way as long as I just don't act out because of the right. way that I'm feeling. Is like the biggest tool that I have. Like. Yeah, you feel like you feel like the way you do, but you don't got to be an asshole to everybody else. You know what I, I mean? I've remembered I'm so still many working times.
1: on that part.
0: <laughs> so many times I, I remember you sitting in the back row, Jonathan, early on in your sobriety. And you talking about how fucking angry you were and how f- scared you were that this wasn't going to work out, this new way of life, and you guys better not be fucking lying to me. <laughs> Jonathan just made the sign too. of the cross. Yeah. <laughs> and, <Man. laughs> and we saw you grow, man. We saw yep. you start to let your walls down and uh, go. Uh, you, you, you went back to school, right? Yeah. And you were terrified that you weren't going to be able to.
2: Oh, no. I remember calling. Uh, I'm saying everyone's name now. Putting all you guys on blast. Terry, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember crying in the school parking lot with my now my fiance at the time. I was my girlfriend um, saying, that I don't think I was going to make it. I was so scared to walk through those doors. Hmm. You know, and like, for, this fucked up, man, but low-key for so long, like, I was waiting for shit to hit the fan. Like, things were going too good for me in the program. Like, the way you guys were telling me to do it, and I'd, even though I'll kick my feet, I'll do it, and it always worked out. But since the and the good things kept happening, and the price and the fear for me kept getting, like, man, something God, this is bound to happen. You <laughs> remember those shares? Like, shit's going to yeah. hit the fan. Things yep. are going to well. And we would laugh. <laughs> and we would all laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like... Uh, Nothing's happened. Like I'm, mm. like they said. Like just stay present, man. Stay in the solution, and you'll be all right. And that's and that's what I I think I've been doing, man. Like that's what I remember. Jamie too said you helped save this guy's life tonight, and I turned around and I told him not to be like cliche, but I told him I said don't we save guys' lives every night? Like yeah. mm. in the rooms, you know what I mean? Mm. Like we really do, though. You know what I'm saying? And like <sighs> uh, I, I'm just glad that I have actual. Actual evidence now, not just coming as a newcomer, but actual evidence now, like this thing does work. Like, Mm. because remember when you come in, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, like, I'm telling you, you repeated Mm. my shares. Like, I really didn't know, but I have actual evidence now to show me Mm. when I get direction, to show me, like, what happens when I take direction. Mm. Like, this is what happens when you take direction. You know Mm. what I mean? Mm. And so I wouldn't turn it in for a world, knock on wood, you know? Because it's scary. Who knows what might happen tomorrow, but as long as I don't pick up.
0: Amen. Right. so Amen. after this happened um what have, have you experienced just in terms of emotions or your thinking or you know uh, kind of the ptsd-ish stuff um i know it's hard to know what's what what you having a shitty day or being angry well, or, or i
1: whatever. i i know that like the trauma of it, I got out of my system in like four days. I got it out like on Monday and is by the grace of being able to share it at different fellowship meetings. Um, but yeah, PTSD is a real thing, you know. Um, and it may,
0: from what I understand about it, it, it may come back. It may never fully be yeah. be gone. I, I could be wrong, but... Um, yeah. but I got that
1: sense, you know what right. I mean? Because there was something that, like I said, I couldn't sleep. And that, his face and his shock and all that blood... And him looking at me in the eye and say, "Don't let me die." And him saying, "Mom," you know, he said, "Mom" like three or four times, Um, and just literally face to face with him for like about ten minutes before you know the ambulance got him. And seeing you know, but he you know he actually it worked like what you did, what Jimmy did,
0: what um, what Kevin
1: did. And by the way, we we
0: interchange Jimmy and Jamie. Yeah, he kind of gets called both names. Um.
1: It worked after a couple minutes of him freaking the fuck out. He got shot, you know, and and in shock. Like, he was calming down, you know. Like, our presence there actually worked, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody said that, like, a lot of people, when they get shot, if nobody's around, they go into shock Mm -hmm. and bleed out because they're freaking the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And we were able to calm them down enough to... You know he's 22 years old and it made me think later on that night that i have a daughter who's 22 years old mm. you know about the same age you know like a fucking you know i feel like a kid myself but the fact is i'm not a kid you know what i mean well i mean maybe i am i don't know age is so relative but yeah. you know like it opened my eyes like fuck i got a 22 year old you know and um yeah I, I don't know you know it's just uh I don't know. My heart goes out to people who see this stuff on a night basis. I can't imagine. No. I can't imagine.
0: And and Jonathan how about you since since the event, uh, what's been coming up for you, anything that you haven't talked about or, or shared here.
2: I just like the the most emotions like, I can think like cuz of this st- Self-help, self-support group that mm-hmm. we have. I mean, just being able to rely on people. I think, like, once I left the I meeting, mean, I called my, my sponsor. My roommate took me to a meeting. My sponsor met me up, you know what I mean? And we chopped it up. I think because he was there right when all the emotions were coming back and I knew that I had to talk to someone knowing that I was going to be gone for a long weekend, right, because of work, mm. um, helped me out a lot. Mm. Um, the next morning, it was waking up to go to work, though, I remember getting into a little argument with my fiancé, you know, uh, and i was like yeah i knew that i know i'm being an asshole i'm just being a grouch but i know it's because of what happened that night That's you know fair. what i mean yeah. like yeah. for real like okay like i want to be like don't you know just what happened like give me my give me my space yeah. but i gotta remember i'm in real life <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like and i can be that way but the results of me being that way all the time are not good but i want to say like loki wholeheartedly like i feel grateful to be alive Amen. grateful to be yeah. like a part of what what we did to be able to be a part of you know and like grateful for people like Polly, man like i seriously believe like mm. if you didn't probably take me i probably wouldn't have been there
1: hmm.
2: you know what i mean
1: so paul was the first one <laughs> to take you to the meeting yeah the first one that,
2: that's why i kept <laughs> nice. i met my sponsor there okay. i've kept coming yeah. back you know what i mean yeah. um but you know what i'm saying so it's like people like you guys man well people like you i am going to say you help too I really believe that, man. Yeah. I don't think don't this no was only it just for, me, you no. know? Yeah. No. I mean, I could take all the credit, but no. that don't sit well for me, you
0: know? No. Well, I'm just, I'm happy that just eventually yeah. it, you were able to make it about me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say one thing, too. <laughs> I give more credit to people than it could be there for people in, in real life, you know, when, when it's like you're inconveniencing yourself to be there for somebody. This was just a situation that happened in front of me where I had to react and respond to it. Yep. You know, I wish, you know, and I'm not, I could be there for people than I have been, but I give a lot more respect to people that go out of their way to yeah. go get people, to call on people, to check on people. You know what I mean? I think that's a way bigger a form of basis. giving. Yeah, mm-hmm. than just being in a situation where you end up being of service. But to go out and look to be of service, you know, like you do and like other people do in this world, like those are like the real in my mind yeah. like you know where it's at yeah. you know
2: cause if you could hear my mom right now she'd probably be saying you saved my son too hmm. real shit you know oh. you never hmm. met my mom but I'm sure she will tell you that yeah. hmm. that she told oh. Patrick you know wow hmm. yeah so I mean <laughs> like you're saving from a life sentence or death out there man like there's no hint about I'm gonna go to prison for life like hmm. I'm eternally grateful. You
0: know, I'm grateful for you guys. You're motherfucking you for, miracle. For, so are you, <laughs> man. Like,
1: that's what this you. whole room has, oh, man. man. Amen. Thank you.
0: thank you guys for for coming and uh, sharing about that and uh, and being my friends. Thank you, brother. What? Thank you, Bob. guys. <laughs> <laughs> friends. Huh? What's that? <laughs> so grateful to have those guys in my uh, in my life. Uh, before I take it out with some more uh surveys and by the way for those of you that are new to the podcast generally uh the the surveys can get pretty pretty dark and i usually um move those uh towards the end of the uh of the show so um you know i know sometimes people get triggered and their people will write and say you know you should put trigger warning you know my entire podcast you know could technically have a trigger warning on it so uh, the best i can do is Try to have the really heavy stuff towards the end, but for a lot of people, that's the that's the stuff that they um, find the most compelling or even comforting. Uh, There's a lot of us that find comfort in um, hearing things that are dark or heavy because I I think it reminds us that we're not the only ones that are, you know, struggling. before I get to those, I just want to remind you guys there's a couple of different ways to support the podcast uh, if you feel so inclined. Um, you can do it financially by making a one-time donation through PayPal, the link is on our website, um, or you can become a monthly donor through Patreon, which is you can do for as little as a dollar a month, and um sky's the limit. You could donate five million a month. I want you to seriously consider that, please, each of you. Um, And that is the backbone that this podcast, uh, depends upon. And we need monthly donors. Uh, advertisers kind of come and go. Um, and the bedrock is the, is the monthly donors. Uh, and if you subscribe through Patreon, I can uh, sometimes give uh, you know bonus content or uh, silly stuff from my life. I'll post it there. Sometimes I have raffles uh, for events and stuff like that, and give stuff away. So, uh, and I'd like to say stuff one more time. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Um, yeah. So all those links are on the uh, on the website. You can also help us help us by going to iTunes giving us a good rating, writing something nice, or spreading the word about the podcast through social media. Um, And you can buy a t-shirt or a coffee mug and find all that shit at the website. Um, We got some really good t-shirts. Okay. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by Slug Boy, who is gender fluid, and they write about their love addiction. Adore me. Worship me. But no, I will never love you back. You're just the lift driver between here and the real thing. But I might as well bleed your heart dry like mine in the process. Uh, about codependency um, or dating a codependent uh, specifically. For the love of God, stop touching me. Leave me alone. Let me sit on the opposite end of the couch. Stop staring at me. Stop hovering over me in the mirror. Give me one day, one hour, one minute to myself before I claw my skin off and feed it to you. But why don't you just leave them? Oh, well, that would just be mean. Thank you for that. Oh, the insanity of codependence. This is a really touching um, email that I got from somebody, and I'm a bit confused by it, so I wanted to get your guys' take on it. It's, it I'll just read it to you. Um, oddly enough, it starts off, it says, Thank you thank you. It's my pleasure. Excuse my instruction into your private life without your prior permission. I hope my mail will not cause you much embarrassment as I write to you in good faith. I know this message might come to you as a surprise because you don't know me in person, but it is only God that brought us together. This did catch me by surprise. I actually fell. Um, I was I was riding a horse when I read this. I always like to read my emails um, when I'm on horseback, and I fell off the horse, but I'm okay. Um, My names are Miss Maria Allen. That's so funny because I would have counted that as one name. This is very confusing. I am the regional chief account manager of one of the prime bank here in Burkina Faso. I am 32 years old, lady, single. I am woman of peace and I don't want problems in my life. Here's the here's the bind for me. She is a woman of peace and she sounds intriguing and trustworthy, but I'm a man of war. I don't know how how we're going to get along, and I don't know what it is exactly that she wants from me, so I'm going to read on. It is my duty to send in a financial report of my customers to our head office in the capital at the end of each year. But in the course of the last year, 2017 fiscal report, I discovered that one of my foreign customer late, and then a parenthesis, Honorable Mr. Ghazi al-Sadiq Abdel Rahim, that's so funny, that's my middle name, who died during the Sudan crash on 9 August 2012. I feel like an asshole because I apparently missed in the news about the Sudan crash. You would you would think that when an entire country crashes, it would be in the news for long enough for me to know about that. Anyway, um, and I'm also beginning to think that there is an unusually high death rate of wealthy, honorable people in Burkina Faso in the last ten years, and I think, I think we should get a private investigator. Anyway, here's the important part that I need your guys' help on. Um, my head office are not aware of it, uh, and it will never be aware of this transaction. He was a business magnate and Sudanese government's religion minister. He deposited the sum of seventeen million. You guys, that is a lot of money. This fund has been placed in what we call escrow call account with no beneficiary. As an officer of this bank, I cannot be directly connected to this money, so my aim of contacting you Is for you to assist me to receive this money in your country through your bank account and get 50% of the total funds as commission slash share while 50% for me. That seems like a shitty split. That really does. You know, when I first read this, my thought was 90 fucking 10 or I walk. And then I realized, I don't really have to do much to get this money, but I'm still in a bind. Let me continue. Please, please, I beg of you, be patient with me. Since you are from another country outside Burkina Faso, I don't know if you guys know this, but there are other countries inside Burkina Faso. It's a very confusing place to drive. I need your cooperation to stand as the next of kin to the defunct customer of our bank who died in the crash. Um, I had actually, I had a friend uh, who is sadly now defunct. Uh, I don't want to go into the reasons why, but... I have every information about this money, and I will be backing you up with information that can make you claim the money from our bank, but you will not tell anybody in my bank that the information is from my side. By virtue of my position, I can guarantee that we stand a great chance of success. If you're interested, please indicate your willingness to initiate the process by contact contacting me via email to enable us to discuss the terms and conditions under which this transaction would be carried out. I just think she seems nice. And she used formal names. There's a lot of misters and misses and people in high positions of authority. And it just, something about this just feels right. So I actually don't need your help. I've figured it. I've talked, I've I've walked myself through it. And um, hopefully by this time next month, I will have about $8 million dollars and the bank, and I won't be doing this podcast. So good luck to all of you. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by Tom, and he writes about his depression. Talking myself into doing things every day because the worst-case scenario, I die in any situation is also the best-case scenario. That's one of the awesome things uh, about, probably the only awesome thing about being suicidal. Uh, When I was suicidal, I didn't mind turbulence on airplanes. That's about the only bonus about his anxiety. Even mundane, everyday situations feel like you're performing with a band at Carnegie Hall in front of thousands of people, and everyone got the sheet music except for you. Thank you for that. Um, Diana Ross, oh, I didn't know she's a listener, describes her depression. Like my whole body is sinking into the bed, and every thought is way too bright. That one might be Hall of Fame. That is fantastic. Thank you for that. Uh, major depressive overachiever describes her love addiction. Looking at almost every man I come into contact with and thinking of how you could take care of them, you're what they've been missing their entire lives. Uh, this is from the Babysitter Survey, and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, Beardy. And she writes... Um, I think I was helping a friend babysit, uh, some boys showed up, uh, my friend and I are female, I remember the little boy was laying on his bed and we were all taking turns abusing him, pulling down his pants, touching him, I can't remember what else, um, and then to the question, uh, did you tell anyone, did you think it was normal, do you believe it had any effect on you, um, no, I didn't, uh, tell anyone. I was very aware it was wrong, but I was frozen because of my own issues. I just watched, fascinated. Um, remembering these things, what feelings come up? Sadness, regret, and shame. Do you feel any damage was done? Uh, I'm not sure, but I wish not. Maybe the child doesn't remember, but how horrible. Um, if you are a parent, has your experience or experiences influenced how you view your children being babysat? I do not trust babysitters. Um, and she is, um, obviously it happened when she was, uh, you know, uh, a teenager. And uh, she's, she's now uh, in her 40s. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, those of you that are new to the podcast, one of the things that I began to notice a lot uh, reading uh, people's surveys, especially the shame and secrets survey, which I'm about to read one of in a, in a second, I began to notice that a lot of people had been abused by babysitters as children. And um, so I created that survey, the babysitter survey. This is the shame and secrets survey. And this is filled out by a guy who calls himself Flapping in the Wind. He is straight in his 30s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. He's never been sexually abused. He's not sure if he was physically or emotionally abused. And he writes, I think my mother crossed a few lines raising me. She was not shy about bringing strange men home and fucking them. Once I caught her getting banged on the living living room couch. I was about 10 at the time. That is a form of sexual abuse. Uh... I don't know how to how, how to put words uh to to say how I would categorize that, but um exposing your children to your sexuality uh is you know, there's something that would be you know, the kid accidentally walked in while we were fucking. That's an accident. People make mistakes. But um fucking on the couch uh while you're ten year old is in the house, that is that is a form of sexual abuse. And the fact that you just describing this one event, things like this, I've never seen it where somebody does something like that and it's an isolated incident. So um, anyways, continuing, darkest thoughts. I like looking at teen girls in public. I would easily have sex with an underage girl if I could find one willing. Darkest Secrets. Uh, Just today I trespassed into my landlord's apartment. Uh, We share a dwelling with the intent to steal a pair of her underwear. I was successful. It's the first time I have done this since moving in a year uh, and some ago, but I've thought about her every time I have masturbated in the last six or seven months. I don't think this will escalate further, but I'm not positive on it and it kind of freaks me out. Part of me couldn't wait to share this on here. I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle with sex addiction. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Anything involving teen girls and or anything that involves a woman's feet. Uh, What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I miss you. I'm sorry. Also, I'm fucked and kind of scared. What if anything do you wish for? Lately, I'd give anything to be comfortable with who I am. I want the constant sex thoughts and fantasies to go away so I can focus on more important matters. Have you tried sharing these things with others? No, I tried a therapist in the past but couldn't be totally open and I felt like a a goof for sharing the things I was able to share. Uh, How do you feel after writing these things down? Defeated and headed for ruination, but I will keep trying to get well. I don't have much choice. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I get the secrecy and shame. I get not feeling like a good person. Just don't cross over into territory you can't recover from. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I really, really urge you to give uh, therapy another shot and to um, look into a support group for sex addiction because this is serious. It it, it might escalate and... Um, it could really um, fuck up a lot of people's lives, but shaming yourself isn't going to help. Um, the adult thing to do here is to ask for help from qualified people and get honest with your therapist about um, the stuff that's going on even if it's embarrassing, uh, and I would find a therapist uh, if I if I were you, that specializes in uh, sexual trauma and uh, sexual addiction, because I have the feeling, um, once you start processing the shit that happened in your childhood, uh, you, it might open some doors into understanding your present day uh, compulsions, and. You might be able to develop some tools for coping so that you don't have to soothe your feelings um, by getting high breaking laws or violating somebody's privacy um, so yeah that's my that's my two cents uh, but thank you for your honesty. Uh, this is an awfulsome moment filled out by spoiler alert. no one cares um. And she writes, My future mother-in-law is the one person in my life who actually asks me how I am doing, which I frequently appreciate. My fiancé and I are in the process of buying a house, which has been extremely stressful for me, so she sent me a text. How have you been doing? I answered literally, I've been really snippy recently, and I'm struggling with my mental health so my doctor put me on a new medication. Also, I still have chronic hives, and I think I need to go see an endocrinologist. I might have Hashimoto's. My mother-in-law answered with, have you ever read the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Hashimoto's, Small Stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you for that. Uh, And for uh, those of you that are new listeners, uh, awfulsome is uh, a word we use to describe something that is both awesome and awful. This is a snapshot from someone's life uh, from the Struggle in a Sentence survey. And uh, it's a guy who calls himself Talking to Myself. And he writes, uh, My beautiful girlfriend of four years uh, and I have been living together for two years. And things have been great for most of our relationship, Uh, but something isn't right with the woman I love. She is distant, uncompassionate, and easily angered. Uh, May be resentful of the status of stay-at-home mom. I know that she struggles with her first pregnancy and did everything on her own, including work. And over the years, I've assumed many of the roles she once had. Um. And then it continues and it, it's basically a really really tense situation and she's been try- he's been trying to offer his wife help, and she snaps at him and um she's irritable and et cetera et cetera and um he writes. I don't know how much longer I can go feeling my words are unheard. I love my family and want nothing but to spend time together, but I spend all my time cleaning and arguing. And I just want to offer the thought that this could be something related to your wife's pregnancy and, and hormones because I've interviewed a lot of therapists on this show, um, talking about postpartum depression. And there is also, um, uh, what do they call it? A perinatal depression? Um, but yeah, all stages of, of pregnancy, uh, can hormonally affect not only the woman, but the, but the man. And, um, I, my recommendation would be, uh, really encourage her to go talk to her OBGYN to start with and then maybe a psychiatrist or maybe you guys go to joint counseling together to talk about this, but I would not try to do this on your own and, my hunch is if your wife is really irritable, it might be a real struggle to get her to, uh, see that she's changed. Because one of the fucked up things about mental illness is sometimes we're the last ones to see that we have become, you know, a load, uh, to be around. So it's, um, you know, I'm sending you some love and good vibes man but um yeah i uh I can't imagine how hard that is I can't this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself perpetually twelve and sad and she's bisexual in her uh, she's twenty two uh, and She was raised in a totally chaotic environment. She writes, Both of my parents were alcoholics who drank themselves to death and then subsequently my sister committed suicide. She hung herself in the closet of the bedroom we shared and I found her. I've been sad for my entire life and I just want to be happy, but I don't know how. Uh, She was also the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. Uh, She writes, uh, Per my uh, aunt, My dad molested me as a child though, thankfully, I have no recollection of it. I remember always feeling scared of him and never wanting to be around him, though, which makes me feel like she's telling the truth. He also had prior arrests related to child sexual abuse that I've only just found out about as I've gotten older. Um, She's been, obviously, emotionally abused. My parents were very emotionally abusive. They were both alcoholics. And they were essentially two adult babies trying to raise three kids. They fought constantly, tried to kill each other in front of us multiple times, used all of us against each other. And I think the worst thing I can recall is when my mom found out that she was dying, she found out she had alcoholic cirrhosis and not much longer to live. She came home one night, drunk as fuck, climbed into bed with me, and started to ask me where I wanted to live after she died. Fuck. I was just a kid. The mere thought of her dying made me burst into tears, and I just kept saying, what? I don't want to live anywhere but with you. And she just kept yelling at me that I didn't have a choice, and I had to pick someone to live with. And then she leaned in and said, I'm dying, but you can't tell anybody. I mean it anybody and so I didn't and she died I don't think it would have mattered if I told anyway This is one of the heaviest surveys I've I've read um uh, Any positive experiences with the abusers? I have lots of positive memories of both of my parents, which makes everything really hard. I hate them so much, but I also miss them a lot, and I find myself feeling very empty about how things ended with both of them. I never got any closure, I guess. Darkest thoughts. I think about killing myself in many different ways. I daydream about it, and it relaxes me. I often turn to these uh, ideations in times of high anxiety because picturing myself dead makes me feel so good and calm and safe. I've been fantasizing about dying since I was seven years old. Darkest Secrets I've been cheating on my significant other of eight years with one of our mutual friends. It started a few years ago, and I can't stop. I'm scared to walk away from either of them because I'm afraid of being alone. I feel like the worst person on the planet. Um sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I think about having sex with women. It's something I've never done. I feel like that's a pretty normal thing to fantasize about. I think about pegging sometimes too. I think that would be exhilarating. What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I would like to tell my significant other the truth about me having an affair. I wish I could, but there are so many other lives involved that I can't. If it were just me and a stranger, I know I would do it in a heartbeat. But it's me and our friend, a friend we've shared since we were 14. Our lives have been intertwined for so long. I've been lying to so many people for so long. I don't know how to come back from this or how I'll ever make it right. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish to be happy and fulfilled by myself. I want to love myself so much that I am all I need. Have you shared these things with others? My wishes? Uh, yeah, I've talked about it a lot with friends and family and they seem to think I'm very capable of being happy alone, but I don't think they realize how toxic my brain is and how much I absolutely hate being alone with my, myself. How do you feel after writing these things down? I'm not sure. Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Uh, If you could direct me to some episodes possibly pertaining to coping with grief slash loss of parents slash suicide, etc., that would be helpful. I feel alone a lot of the time. It's been really hard being in this state of wanting to die but not wanting to die because I've experienced the pain of losing someone to suicide, and I don't want to do that to my family again. But then there's also a part of me that doesn't give a fuck anymore. I feel lost and scared and doomed. I saw a therapist for the first time yesterday and took some surveys and filled out some paperwork, and she was so alarmed with my scores, she started calling different outpatient facilities to see if they would take my insurance, and it scared me so badly. I've never talked to anyone like that before. I didn't know what to expect, but she seemed so disturbed after only talking to me for 20 minutes. She actually asked me, how are you still here? And I wanted to say, I ask myself that question every day, but I didn't. I went to school. I had a 4.0 the whole time, graduated, got a great job at a hospital. I make pretty decent money. I have a house and a dog and a boyfriend that looks like a Calvin Klein model. Everything sounds really good on paper, but I'm miserable. I can't enjoy anything good that I have. Thank you so, so much for pouring your soul out into this survey, and I am so so sorry for all of the fucking trauma that you have had to experience. And my God, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't feel the way that you did, the way you do after all that you have been through? And, um, I, you know, as I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, my God, this woman is a fucking survivor That that she... That she is still functioning and you clearly have uh, an ability to compartmentalize painful things in your life and get up and go to work. But that stuff is like, uh, you know, it's like rust. It, it begins to spread. And I think you're feeling that. And the fact that you reached out to see a therapist is fantastic. And I really, really encourage you, um, to do that and if you don't feel comfortable with this therapist find another one and keep looking until you find one that you feel safe with and then share everything with that therapist and it can save your life it did with, with me um, I compartmentalized all of the shit that happened to me in my life um, and it was killing me and I'm so glad that I finally asked for help And that's not unique to me. Um, I know hundreds of people who've had terrible, terrible upbringings and live in a constant state of not wanting to be alive. And they eventually find the type of help that works for them and they get better, be it a support group or um, therapy or um, seeing a psychiatrist, What you know, whatever it is, but it's a lot of trial and error and being patient with yourself. And I guess that's what I want to say more than anything is be kind to yourself because this is going to sound cheesy as fuck, but that little girl that had such a fucked up childhood is still inside you and it is scared. And I think it relates to the fear of intimacy and the, and the, uh, the cheating. I think it's all tied together of uh, who would trust after what you've been through, who would want to experience letting someone get close, really close after what you've been experienced, after what you, you went through in your childhood. Um, but we can get to the place where we trust again, where we can be intimate and faithful with someone, but it takes it takes a lot of work. So what I'm saying is is the things that you are doing aren't a reflection of who you are morally. They are the ways that you are coping with your pain because you've compartmentalized it and it's sitting there and it's, it's eating away at you and it's just about finding a different way to deal with this pain and process it and you can get to a place where you will feel self-love and you will be okay being alone by yourself. And I, I know that because I have experienced it. And I'm not bullshitting you. I'm sending you some love. This is a happy moment filled out by Patrick, uh, the trans man from the uh, previous uh, couple of surveys ago. And uh, he writes, I have a lot of trouble feeling my emotions and remembering good things. Mostly I dwell on my trauma and fears. And while that's not unusual. It is exhausting. I had a moment today at work where I went to grab myself coffee, and I felt myself relax. No thoughts in my brain. No words to describe how I felt. No internal narrator. I wasn't afraid of being attacked or analyzing every possible exit or weapon in my line of sight. I went outside, had a cigarette, and while I was there, I realized I was feeling something I'd been chasing my whole life, peace. The feeling that I dream about when I picture myself sitting on a big porch at dusk, watching the fireflies glow lazily while a wind chime rings softly and my dog lays asleep at my feet. The feeling I fight for, trying to get the dog and the house and the good job so I can be at peace. But I was at peace. For the first time in years, I was at peace. I know I can get better, but I know worrying about it won't help. I can just exist and be okay. That's so beautiful. And then, any comments to make the podcast better? Uh, he writes, Also from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being supportive of the trans community. On my bad days, I remember the one time you read a survey I filled out and used uh, he and him the whole time. It made my week, Paul. It made my fucking weak. Oh, and try to be kind to yourself. You're doing so much good. That really made my my day reading that. I made your week, but you made my day. So what I'm doing right there is I'm shortchanging you. Patrick, I'm telling you to go to fuck yourself. That's what I'm saying. No, but thank you. That means a lot to me. That really, really means a lot to me. When I started doing this podcast, I knew nothing about pronouns. And binary, non-binary, the difference between sex and gender and sexuality. And I, I still stumble, but um, those of you that listen that are uh, trans or non-binary have been so fucking supportive of me and um, helping to educate me in a way that was really uh, compassionate and patient. And thank you right back. But fuck you, Patrick. Um, <laughs> this is a, finally, this is an awfulsome moment filled out by Not Free To Be Me. And, um, yeah, you know, she listed as an awfulsome moment, but honestly, to me, this one's a happy moment. And she writes, My great-grandmother was the only person in my life who truly loved me. When she passed away, I was so devastated I just wanted to die so I could be with her. Her favorite animal was the owl, which was fitting since she was wise and beautiful like an owl. After she passed away, an owl would land on the fence in our backyard early uh, every evening. I'd look at it from the window, and I could feel my great-grandma's spirit, and I'd cry so hard. The owl visited me every day for seven months. Then one day it flew away, and I never saw it again. My great-grandma knew how much I was grieving and how alone I felt. That owl helped me grieve the loss, and I got through it without trying to die. It made me smile, because she was still protecting me, even after she passed away. Thank you for that. You know, some people may roll their eyes at that, but I do believe, I do believe that we are energy, and when our body passes away, we take on a different form, and who knows how the fuck that works. But uh, I've heard too many people share... um, stories like that. After, um, my ex and I uh, lost our dog, Herbert, those of you that are regular listeners know that he was, he was a big part of the show and me talking about him and his butthole and, um, it, there was a, um, a lizard that started coming around the day after he died and would come up to my ex Every fucking day and um, you know even even if it's not true it feels good and ultimately isn't that what matters? So what I'm saying is is go out there and lie yes that's my message be the biggest liars you can and maybe you'll be befriended by a lizard oh this took a terrible turn Thank you guys. Um I am I'm so grateful for the contributions of uh those of you that take the surveys and that send in the emails and um say nice things. You know, there'll be a day sometimes when I'm just I'm having a a day where I'm in my head and I'm just thinking I'm a piece of shit and then I'll get an email from somebody that you know mentions that the podcast helped them in some tiny way and um, and it reminds me that I am not my mistakes um, and and that's a nice feeling so i hope I hope you heard something uh, in this episode that resonated with you and if you're out there and you're thinking about asking for help, but you're afraid, I encourage you. To take that, that leap of faith. Um, it's never as scary as our brain paints it. Um, just remember, you're not alone. And thanks for listening.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. I know in some some weird beautiful. beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up beautifully in some weird way.